FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 111 of the podcast that goes snicked. We're your hosts, Jason and kind of Denise Venable. Well, so, alright, little, little behind the scenes. Denise will kind of be popping in and out of our segments. Well, just really kind of in and out of the episode this episode. Um, we have a lot going on getting ready for the holidays and spreading the holiday cheer with everybody we come in contact with, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, she has some other tasks she must uh, take care of. So yeah, but we wanted to get this out before the holiday. You know, stay stay topical and relevant on all the, the Wolverine goings-ons. So um, that's what we're going to do. Uh, this episode, we will have the Logan Legacy Spotlight on Mystique. And um, yeah, we'll talk about some other stuff too. Without further ado, here we go. Okay, so first up, we will shine that legacy spotlight on Mystique with the Logan Legacy number six. This is uh, written by James Tinian IV, with art by Andy Clark, colors by Dan Brown, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Alex Garner. And the cover is not bad. It's Mystique standing on a pile of rubble. And she's got Wolverine claws. And then in the background, we have Wolverine and Destiny heads just kind of chilling, floating back there. It's very um, War of Warcraft. It does. It looks uh, computery. <laughs> it looks very video game. And I'm assuming that's on purpose. I'm not particularly thrilled about those choices. But, you know, I mean, from what it is, it's not bad. It's not very dynamic. I don't know. I think the computer graphic look kind of makes things look flat on the page i think it makes things look cheesy yeah i agree with that i'm not i'm not a huge fan of, of the it's it's really hard like her tail to her dress like it doesn't look like it's no, floating no it's like little squares yeah <laughs> anyway that's our cover all right so i guess as with all of these i will read the intro there are few as cunning few as calculating and few because she has a calculator and few is deadly as the shapeshifter called Mystique. For a century, she's walked the world, attempting to mold it as easily as she remolds herself. In that time, few have managed to keep her from reaching her goals, but one has always stood above the rest, Logan and the Wolverine. But the Wolverine is dead, and now, perhaps, it is time for Raven Darkholm to fulfill her destiny. So we see, uh, we go to Jersey Shore now. There's a shield agent goes underground. He finds a bunch of his friends dead. And it's Mystique. And she's looking for something. Then we see, we flash back to 74 when Mystique and Destiny are making one of their bids to take over Madripoor. My favorite part about this scene is something I don't know if I've ever seen with Mystique before. She's dressed, or she's formed like this guy. 
and he has a tie on. And another guy cuts off the tie with a knife. And when the piece of tie falls to the ground, it just turns into like blue skin. That, that was pretty cool and possibly the highlight of my whole issue. If that gives you any indication of where we're going with this. What do you think of that, babe? Well, does that mean that her clothes that she wears... Is actually not clothes. It's just her skin? Yeah, we knew that. We did? Yeah. I mean, she, or if it's not her skin, it's something she can change because she's always changed without being naked. Right. Unless you're in the movies, in which case she is always naked. Um, I kind of like the idea that if you cut a piece of her clothing, because technically she's morphing it. Right, yeah. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I dig it. Anyway, so she's ready to take over Magipore, but Wolverine stops her. And Mystique's going to fight her, but Destiny says, This will not end well for you. Let's let it go. And so they do. Then we go to now. Mystique is mad. She says, You, tell me how Wolverine dies. To destiny and um you know then we'll we'll do it there's a nice little full page spread of like different scenes of wolverine including the scene of the wolverine statue the adamantium tomb and destiny screams at the pain of all of wolverine's life but then she says you know what wolverine's not gonna die so she lies to mystique i thought that was interesting yeah i thought it was interesting that she lied i kind of wanted to know what her hidden motive was for it anyway mystique finds in the classified shield bunker, a cassette tape that was confiscated from Destiny. And it says, now you are ready to know. So we go to Madripoor a few weeks ago. Mystique talks about how when she morphs and changes shapes that her bones also like stretch and stuff. And I guess when she does Wolverine, she actually puts her bones out. And they look like adamantium, but they're really just her bone. So that's interesting. And she talks about how much it hurts. So we're trying to get some inner insight into Mystique. And then she does this thing where uh, this guy that told her Wolverine was dead gives her a note from Destiny, from Irene Adler, a.k.a. Destiny. And it says, Raven, my dear, I'm sorry. It is time for you to know the truth. Shield, sub-archive 86B. So as Mystique uh, fakes being a dead soldier or an injured soldier. That was very much when the guy comes with a note, very back to the future, like when Doc Brown sends yes. the note. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so as she uh, she gets on the helicopter as a wounded soldier and uses that for her escape, then she listens to the tape, and basically Irene, or Dest- a.k.a. Destiny, tells her, um, if you're listening to this, that means that Wolverine is dead. Now you're ready to win. Wolverine's the only one that could stop you. What I saw is that all these people will come under Wolverine's umbrella. You must take them and, and lead them and manipulate them to get what you want. It is your destiny. But that's not what she saw in her vision. <laughs> what she saw was Wolverine dying. And she could have seen this also. I just thought that was a weird choice. But anyway, so Mystique's like, okay. And then she goes back to Madripoor and Silver Samurai's like, hey, what's up, boss? And Mystique says, um... I need confirmation on something, Samurai. Did Doc and just tear apart an auction in Hightown where he let me survive because he knew I was there and we saw I was there? And made a comment that I was there? Yes. Oh, well, yeah, he did. How'd you know? Well, because I was there. <laughs> and there's no reason for me to ask you this at all. Um, <laughs> all right. So whatever. Uh, art is okay. I kind of like the colors. thought Dan Brown did a good job on the colors. Clark... Um, I always kind of thought his stuff was so-so at DC. I don't, his, his art sometimes I feel like is intentionally too ugly for my taste. 
especially with his like faces. Like everybody gets these like ugly expressions all the time, and I don't really dig it. You have anything to say about the art? She didn't really like it either, in case you didn't hear. Yeah, it's just kind of ugly. I mean, it's not bad. Some of the action work is okay, but I don't know. Never really been a, a huge fan. Not my cup of tea. So the story, I won't lie, I was a little bit excited. So James Tenyon the fourth, or uh, JT4, as we'll for now on call him. You know, he is one of the guys, he was kind of like to Scott Snyder, what, um... Nick Spencer was to uh, Jonathan Hickman. Kind of co-wrote some stuff at first, and then kind of, you know, got kicked out of the nest and went and wrote his own stuff. And um, he's been doing some stuff over at DC for uh, the Bat family, which, of course, is another Bat writer coming over to write on this book. And then right now, him and Scott Snyder are doing Batman Eternal, which has been kind of up and down. That's kind of the... That's what worries me about the Wolverine's weekly series. Every weekly series I've ever read, even when the story's good, they can't help but have like every fifth or sixth issue kind of be piss poor. Oh. <laughs> but I will say the issues that I've enjoyed of Batman Eternal, I really enjoyed. So overall, I liked JT4. and I was. He also did a fill-in issue on Amazing X-Men dealing with a knoll that was awesome. It was really dramatic and touching and it kind of dealt with him and North Star and Nightcrawler and kind of the issue of sexuality and acceptance and tolerance and all that. It was just a really, really good issue. So I kind of had high hopes for this issue. You know, let's see what Mystique's up to. And it just kind of fell flat for me. I don't know. What'd you think? Yeah, I didn't like it. She didn't like it, she said. So anyway... I didn't really like how it seemed like... um. What's her name? The can see the future lady. Destiny. Yeah, I didn't really like how Destiny was sort of playing with her. Yeah, so that like what? Bug me. And then the whole I was here, but I wasn't here. That so I just feel discombobulated. Yeah, I thought you know we get this a lot in media, movies, TV, comics, where you kind of shake up the chronology. And I, I won't say I'm tired of it because I'm not really I just feel like if you're going to do that it needs to be story driven like there's reveals that come at certain times to provide twist or drama to the story I felt like this one was kind of mixed up just to be mixed up I don't know if you feel differently write in and tell me if you thought there was a significance to the order the story was told in with the flashbacks and flash forwards and all that it kind of reminded me of Pulp Fiction that would be a good example of that I don't really feel like this was a good example. <laughs> anyway, um, so I guess Raven's going to be part of the, the group. I mean, we know she's going to end up. Of course, next issue is the last issue of this series. So we'll probably go back to where they're all captured by uh, Sharp and see what they do. So I'm going to assume that Mystique is poised to make a power play. And hopefully that'll be more interesting than this. I'm going to give the Logan Legacy number six, three out of six claws. What are you going to rate it, babe? I'm going to give it two. She's going to give it two out of six claws. So anyway, that's our uh, spotlight on Mystique. Okay, so next up, we're going to have a uh, Weapon X program update. Update, update. We have the Weapon X program number four. This, of course, is written by Charles Soule, with pencils by Angel Unzueta, inks by Mark Deering and Juan Velasco, colors by Frank Diamarna, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woo! 
And they don't actually credit the cover. I don't see his usual signature, but I think it's still Salvador LaRocca, who has been our artist on the series up to this point and has done all the covers. And it looks like him and the way he's been doing these covers, but but no credit and no signature, so I cannot say that with undeniable certainty. You didn't Google this before we got on the podcast? Nope. All right, so basically, remember, our team is on the run. Do we want to talk about the cover? Team on the run! Would you like to discuss the cover? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm on this cover by somebody. Someone did this cover, and the way they did it is they took some pencils, probably an electronic e-pencil on a little tablet, connected to their computer, and they drew some stuff, and it went on the screen, and then they played around with it and made a cover. Wow. And what it looked like when they were done was probably a black and white version of what we have, and then someone else did the colors. And when they did that, they put some green on top, and basically it's just green, black, and white, and it's our character from the end of issue number three who is either now in charge or cleaning up the weapon x mess and um she's standing on a balcony completely in silhouette well almost completely in silhouette she has some green and yellow highlights anyway she's looking down at the floor and on the floor is some green color and then a spotlight in white you know most of these warehouses have spotlights on the ceiling and there's body bags on the ground in the spotlight and they're arranged in an x you know i i just but it's actually a pretty decent cover what do you think are you done making fun of it probably not i'm in a very make fun of mood after reading this so looking at the I like cover it better on yours the green's richer yeah on the ipad yours looks scooby-doo-ish <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. One of my favorite parts is the little green guys in the white opening of the door. I really like that. I will say I was apprehensive, and then when I opened it up and I saw the art on the inside, I got excited again. Actually, the cover is very imagey. It's kind of let that mean what it means to people that want want it to mean something. All right, well, speaking of the inside, we got our Weapon X escapees on the run, and this chapter is called Analysis. So, remember Hai Fang, our super speedster girl? She ran home to Ohio to find her fiancé, and the house is for sale, and she's looking for her fiancé. I actually really like the inside shot of the house. Yeah, how it's dark and gloomy. Yeah, and just the color work looks really cool. Um, She sees some blood on the carpet, which is going to make that a tough sell. Yeah, even a short sell couldn't win that one. Yeah, it seems like the real estate agent would have maybe uh, just rolled that rug up and threw it in the alley or something. Yeah. But anyway, she's like, who, who's Tay, Tay, Tay. Tay-Tay, where are you? She's looking for her fiancé, Tay-Tay. Taylor. I like Tay-Tay. But instead, she finds these guys. Uh, this guy with a ponytail and a Siamese twin with a bald head. They're joined at the shoulder. Conjoined oh, twins. I didn't even notice that. No, they're not. In this panel, they are. <laughs> and then there's a uh, wizardy girl. With cheetah spots. Oh, they're, they're more wizardy spots. Like a Gila monster or um, a gecko of some sort. And she's selling Aflac. That's why she's here at the house making a cold call. We have coverage when you're hurt or injured. Yes, or murdered on a carpet. that can easily be rolled up and shoved out of the way to sell the house. Well, we go back to Nolan's. And um, our other four rejects that are hanging out in the van. It looks like they've lost their chicken wire. I guess it came off when they rolled it in the desert. Wait, no, I thought they put it on after they... I don't remember. Anyway, um, Neuro is talking about these files he's reading. So Junk gets all up in his junk and says, Man, you see my file, you better erase it. 
And uh, Nero's like, maybe I've already read it. Yeah, maybe I ain't Because it's five. Very 12-year-old right now. <laughs> yeah. So they're posturing. And uh, Sharp tells him to shut up. And he argues with this inner voice. Um, and they're trying to decide whether they're going to go after Mei Fing. Right? I'm sorry, Indo is easier to say. And I know yeah. I'm saying it right. So they're deciding whether the whether they're going to go after Endo, and the voice inside Sharp tells him, "We need to ditch these losers. If you go after the girl, I will make your life a living hell and drive you crazy." Wow, tough choice there. Yeah. So Sharp kind of turns about, and says he's not going to go, but Junk and Scale are going to go save Endo because she saved them. Yep, got to return the favor. Yep. So then Nero thinks says uh, Sharp has made the right decision, but then Sharp knocks him out. Boom. But for some reason, does not take the laptop. Stupid. Which is very curious how he punches Nero. The laptop falls away and then somehow lands inside his hand on the on the floor. I noticed that too. Oh, but anyways, uh, Sharp leaves him there. We go back to Cleveland where the guy in the ponytail reveals, uh, first of all, he gets surgically removed from his partner and they both magically grow their arms. And then we find out the other guy, D.V., is also a speedster. And this guy with the ponytail is named Epsilon. And the wizard girl is named Gila. Our two speedsters have a speed off where they fight each other. Anyway, they, they get a gun up to Mayfing, or I'm sorry, up to Endo's head. And they kind of explain what happened. Apparently, Tay-Tay was not her man fiance, but her mm-hmm. girl fiance. And she... But she's not a lesbian. She used to be a man. <gasps> and uh, Dr. Cornelius... Gave her some um, boobies, and I haven't seen no inside or down inside her pants. I don't know if she has a JJ or a Wong. No, but she is all scarred up on the inside. Yeah, so she may not have anything. She may be a Ken doll down there for all I know. I wonder how she pees or, or a side by side. I don't know. Anyway, uh, what? Nothing. What? Oh. The- <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so they say the Weapon X program killed Tay Tay. But they're just here to help. But then they act like they're going to take her back to Weapon X. And they're still under what? So I don't know who they're helping or what they're trying to do. But Endo uh, is about to make out with Gila. But she changes her mind and turns into a giant monster and throws him out the window. So I'm confused. Did what? did the lizard lady spit at her? No, she did not. Uh, so she's having like a Hulk Endo moment. freaked out and like took her powers to a new level. Remember, it's based on her endocrine gland. And that can probably do more than speed. So... She can turn herself back into a man. Is that what she's doing? She looks like she's hulking out. Well, yeah, but she can be She-Hulk. She does still have her boobies. Yeah, she does. Um, anyway, Scale and Junk show up. And like, I don't think she needs our help. They decide that Scale needs to fight anyway to burn off some uh, steam. Then we see um, Nero has found a, a cafe with some free Wi-Fi. And he's looking at the file still. And then he, I don't know. Did he, does it have free Wi-Fi or um, did he make free Wi-Fi? Oh, I don't know. He's got like. Yeah, he's plugging in. He's got like uh, USB cords in his head. I Um, love how, so he's at Cafe Du Mont in the French Quarter, which. Is that a real place? Oh, yeah. In fact, I can totally visualize it. It says DuPont. Well, it's supposed to be Cafe Du Mont. Okay. And it says the original French mark. They're having a laugh with it. Yeah. Original French mark. What does that mean? I think it's supposed to say original French market. Oh, I think a French mark is when a French guy pees outside. Anyway. So this is the original place that a, a Cajun came and peed in New Orleans. They built a restaurant around it. If you go back by the kitchen, you can see the uh, 
there's a little roped off area and there's a pea stain on the floor with the original French mark. Anyway, anyway, this is in the French Quarter. That's yeah. my assumption. Okay, I I would I can go with that. They are Nolans. So he sees something in the file and gets weird. And can he you decides, say that again? What? Can you say that again? Nolans. You're not from there. I'm not. Um. Anyway, um. He reads something in the file and apparently he saved uh, his contact information for the Weapon X program. And he gives him a call and says he's ready to make a deal. And they're like, "Good." You've always been the smart one. Yep. And then Sharp is in a shipyard somewhere, and he's about to kill himself, but the voice tells him to stop. And he says, well, then tell me who you are. So we find out it's Ogun, and he wanted to jump into Wolverine after Wolverine beat him, but he couldn't because Wolverine was dead and encased in a tomb, and so he jumped in Sharp instead, and, you know, I guess they'll do something. The end. So did we guess this? All right, so kind of. I don't think we should really take full credit. So we kind of guessed... That the guy in Logan Legacy number one was might be Ogun. Yes. And we felt kind of, I'd say 60-40 on that. I don't remember which one no. of us said it, but we kind of agreed that was a good option. And then we kind of realized or put together that this guy, Sharp, is the same guy from Logan Legacy number one. So we backdoored it. But we never said when we were trying... In our guesses of who Sharp is, we never put those two in a sandwich, and we never said that the voice inside Sharp's head was a goon. So roundabout, we kind of guessed it, but we never outright guessed it. We didn't stick all the strings together. It's up on our pin board. We just haven't linked it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got the the, the board with the, the strings connecting the photos, but we were, we were almost there. But then we didn't really care, and then he told us. Isn't that how it always goes? You're like, man, who is that? Who is that? I really don't care. It's this person. So someone reading this was more of the the lady cop from Fargo, and we were Bob Odenkirk's character. They was like, oh, don't look at this board. It's embarrassing. (laughs) We are like that. (laughs) I'm so sorry, sir. (laughs) Yeah. She's been on this for a year now. And then Charles Soule was the FBI agent, so we're probably going to save the series. We, We actually haven't seen the finale yet. We're catching up. We're but, uh, slow. We started it late. Who, who actually knows all the answers and knows that the board is cool. And hopefully right. he'll tell us how cool it is next issue. Um, so what do you think of the art? I actually thought it was pretty similar to Laroca's art. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, it's obvious it's different. But when I read it, I didn't even realize it was somebody different. Oh, I noticed right off me. the bat. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. But... Tisk, tisk, tisk. Yeah, exactly. What's um, that sound? I thought the art was pretty good. I mean, it's fine. I liked it. Story's fine. I'm finally glad we figured it out. I think if we had to go one more issue. There's only one left, right? I think it's just five. And I think it comes out on New Year's Eve so they can squeeze all these this in so we can start the Wolverines in January. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the weekly series, we've talked about it. It starts in January. Right, but it's... All right, so the last issue of Legacy comes out on Christmas Eve. I'm going to assume the last issue of this series probably comes out on New Year's Eve. Or or Marvel will do something they do on occasion when they get behind. And they'll put the last issue of this and the first issue of the Wolverines out on the same day. That stinks. But, you know, we'll see. Whatever. Anyway, it's, it's coming to a close. I'm pretty sure it's five issues. So, anyway, uh, what do you think? 
I like the twist with Endo that she was a guy. Yeah, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, because it, it never really... I mean, I always wondered why she was so Frankenstein-ish. Right. And I kind of just thought, well, they enhanced her muscles, so they had to pull her apart right, to yeah. kind of enhance them. So that you was know, a, it was so they could give her lady, lady parts. Yeah, or Kendall parts. Yeah, um, possibly. So I like that twist because it was unexpected, and I liked... I wonder little, if he lactates. That's my takeaway from this issue. That's my big my big question. Okay, not to, to get off topic, but have you read the witch's book yet? Yeah, he lactates blood. Or the that's actually a lady though. It's just a bald lady. I I was like, what is she doing? Yeah. I'm kinda of digging that book. That splatter work by Jock, who I usually love, is really distracting me and taking yeah, me Jacques, out of the like, to the point that it's taking me out of the story. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's a whole different podcast. Jock, um, if you're listening, just Ease it up a little. Yeah, just knock it off. Don't do it every panel. Yeah, just do just it for like the big panel event. where they show the witches. It looks really cool. The regular panel when they're just sitting around the house kind of looks dumb. Yeah, it but is you know true. whatever. Like I said, this is not the podcast that goes chit 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 chit. <laughs> but th- that is a sound from the comic. <laughs> this is the podcast that goes snick. And I'm going to give the Weapon X program number four. Three out of six claws. I'm going to give it four out of six. I, I thoroughly might. enjoyed the art. Sounds good. Okay, so next up we have uh, our segment. Hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? And we're going to go to a Nightcrawler number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. This is uh, written by Chris Claremont with art by Todd Nauck, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Travis Alanum, and uh, Nauck and Rosenberg did the cover. It's a pretty nice cover. It's a Nightcrawler running away from his fellow X-Men who all have uh, very grimacing faces. Um, It's Storm, Colossus, Beast, Psylocke, Iceman and Rachel. It's a pretty cool cover. I like it. All right, so basically, uh, Nightcrawler was with the X-Men trying to save this bloody best girl from the Crimson Pirates or whatever the hell they are. The X-Men all got taken over by the Shadow King. Of course, Nightcrawler did not get taken over because he doesn't really have a soul anymore. And uh, the Shadow King couldn't take him over. So he's left to fight his teammates. And he's reminiscing of a time in the Danger Room when Wolverine uh, taught him how to fight without being predicted. And basically, he uses those lessons to defeat his teammates without killing them and breaks them all free of the Shadow King, except for Psylocke, who at the end corners Nightcrawler and says, it's over now. Yeah, so the art in this book is stupendous, is beautiful, and the colors by Rosenberg are awesome. So now can Rosenberg just make a great, great looking book and just, man, it's just, it's really pretty. And yeah, I don't know. I can rave and rave about the art. Uh, the story, I can completely do without. In Claremont's heyday, I was so-so on the Shadow King. Now that we're in kind of a pseudo-retired Claremont days, the Shadow King's pretty worthless, and I don't really care about this story at all. But the art, man, it looks great. This, this, I can just put through these pages and just look at the pages with the art and the colors. It's just awesome. But man, the story's just boring. And lame. Um, so I'm going to give Nightcrawler number nine. If I can erase all the words, I would give it a really high score. But I can't. And the comic is both. I'm going to give Nightcrawler number nine. We'll be generous for the sake of the great art and give it three out of six claws. And that's three for art, zero for story. <laughs> anyway, that was, hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? All right. So next up, we have our Wolverine roundup. Yee-haw. 
We have all new X-Men number 34 featuring X-23. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Mahmoud Azrar. Colors are by Mar- Marte Gracia with Marcello Maido. I maybe said that right. Letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And Azrar and Gracia do the cover, which is a pretty cool cover. We have uh, Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man Swinging. With the all-new X-Men, including a young Cyclops, he's not really there. But he's on the cover, and it, it looks cool, so I don't mind too much. What do you think of the cover? I think it looks pretty sweet. I think it looks awesome. In fact, I love how everyone overlaps or invades into someone else's space. Yeah, they're all they're all interconnected. Yeah. You know, I heard some jackhole on the internet slamming Azrar's art. And everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but if you don't like Azrar's art, you're wrong. Well, but what was his bias? Other than he just didn't like it. They said it wasn't as good as Eminem. Which, Eminem's pretty great. I mean, he's one of my faves. But Azrar is growing up to that list, too. I like him a lot. I like them both a lot. I don't think they're really all that different. Well, some people just, I don't know, you draw something funny one way, and then that's all they see. I don't know. So Anyway, I think he's doing a fine job on this book. We'll talk more about that as we get into it. So remember, our all-new X-Men are scattered across the Ultimate Universe, and Miles and Jean are at the... Uh, and I'm right, right? X-Mansion. What like, right I about? called it. What? When they ran into it, I said, oh, it's like Jean Grey. And you said, no, I bet it's Rachel. No, I said I wasn't sure uh. because I didn't read the books. And because Rachel has always had short hair. But it's just Jean cut her hair. So yeah, we get some Jean on Jean convo. I was about to say Jean on Jean action, but some of you might take that the wrong way. Ooh, that's hot. Do we need to talk? <laughs> yes. I like how even Ultimate Iceman... He's really, Bendis really just writes them like young guys, man. And he says, uh, hey, Jeannie, she looks just like you, but slightly hotter. And everyone glares at him. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and he says, in retrospect, that was a poor choice of words. And yeah, back to the drama. So the two genes scan each other, and we get a cool double-page spread, which mirrors when young Gene read Miles Morales' mind. We got kind of like the web of like images around him in black and white with a red tone. Right. What do you call that when you just color like one thing? Like in this case, it's their hair is red when everything else is black and white. I mean, we call it selective color at work, but I don't know if that's really a name. Sure, that works. Anyway, uh, the panel is divided in half. One half is young Gene. The other half is ultimate Gene. And um, we have stories for each of them on each side. Uh, We see like old original X-Men stories from the 60s we see when she comes to the present we see future stuff with ultimate gene we see some ultimate stuff i read and some ultimate stuff after i quit reading and then um they both faint so Iceman is continuing to fight the underground creature i really like this first panel of him because remember he's melting because it's hot in atlanta yeah, it's about to burn up and turn everybody into zombies but i really like this panel of him on the ice slide where he's icy but like his uniform showing through and his hair yeah looks really i also cool. like his uh monologue with the creature yeah because he keeps telling himself why am i talking to you yeah no doubt i really like bendis's iceman and i like azrar's iceman i like the way he draws him and the way he moves him on the slide Uh looks really really cool really dynamic nice use of his powers but you know he gets arrested then we go back to the weapon x facility with uh 
Wolverine's son in X-23 and Angel. And um, X-23 says, well, you're his son, but I'm his clone. And she figures out that they're in a different dimension. And they're arguing about whether mutants were made or born. And um, she basically says, we need to hunt down the mutant in this universe so she can send us back to our universe. Which is kind of what everyone's trying to do. Yeah, which, you know, not all these characters have, like, alternate. There's no guarantee they're going to find this person. Right. Or that she even exists in the ultimate universe. No, but I guess they figure it's like best case scenario. Yeah, definitely the whole theme. And we see Young Beast with uh, Dr. Von Doom. Kind of the whole theme of this is that they're both out of time and space. They're completely lost, not where they should be. We have true confessions of a young beast. Who's madly in love with Jean Grey. Yeah, I really like this random, like, green panel in the middle. It looks really cool. Yeah, I do too. I But I think it's a good way of showing, like, he's drugged. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of psychedelic. So Iceman is arrested and the cops are like, they're bigoted against the mutants. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And so Iceman says, well, good. I don't feel bad about this then. And he, he sucks up the AC from the car and uh, ices out. And we get a really cool panel of him that's all like bluish that shows him icing up. It's really cool. Nice color yeah. work. And the scene of him icing through the windshield looks really cool. Anyway, he uh, he ice slides off. So then we see our young jeans in Cerebro. They hug each other. Which is weird. It is kind of weird when they say it's weird. <laughs> So, you know, whatever. I kind of feel like they put that in for, like, weird fetish people. No, I think they're just saying, you know what? We've both been through a lot of shit. And we understand each other in a way that nobody else can understand each other. Because we're kind of the same person. Yeah. I wouldn't hug myself. Yeah, but you're not a hugger. (laughs) Would you hug yourself? You're you're an ex-unhugger. I'm a reformed... I don't know. Are we in trouble? I mean, yeah. I I don't know. It would just depend on the circumstances. If you would hug yourself? Yeah. I hug myself every night when I go to bed. Where am I? Laying next to me. (laughs) Is that what we're calling it now? (laughs) You're hugging yourself? (laughs) (laughs) You have nothing witty to retort. No, no reason to. So anyway, then we get a cliffhanger. They get in, uh, the two genes get in a cerebro. Or not sure, I'm sorry. Our young gene gets in a cerebro and she says, oh no, is that real? To be continued. So I thought the art was pretty great. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Thought the story was pretty cool. I'm definitely curious to see what she saw. Yeah, I am too. And I really like uh, Miles. I have I don't really read the Ultimate stuff and probably won't start, but I'm enjoying getting a taste of Ultimate Spider-Man, who everybody seems to love all the time. So I'm I'm glad to get to read it a little bit. I will say uh, before Jean Grey gets and hooks into Cerebro, the two genes go. I wonder what everyone's doing up there. Oh, and, and they're all glaring at Spider-Man. Yeah, and. Nothing's being said. Right. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I just had to laugh. But yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm glad that X-23 kind of figured it out on her own. I thought that was cool. And I'm really digging her and Warren and the kind of their interaction with their are they, aren't they kind of thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Well, I love how one Jean's like, you know, he has a crash. Yeah. It's like, well, you're the same person. Of course, you know. With Spider-Man? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what are you going to give all-new X-Men number 34? I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay, I'm going to give it five out of six, Claws. All right, well, that is our Wolverine Roundup. Yeehaw! Okay, so last up, we have our Axis update with Sabretooth. We're going to look at Axis number seven. This is New World Disorder 
chapter one. This, of course, is written by Rick Remender. Adam Kubert is back doing the art. Edgar Delgado and Jesus Albertov are doing the colors. Chris Eliopoulos doing the letters. And the cover is by Jim Chung and Paul Mounts. On this cover, now our Axis banner or logo is completely vertical. On the left half of the book, we have Spider-Man and Mystique and Sabretooth and Carnage fighting Nightcrawler and Rogue and Young Jean. Is she even part of the story? And Cyclops. <laughs> then on the right-hand side, we have Evan Too Big for His Apocalypse Bridges fighting uh, Hippie Deadpool with a strange... Kitty cat running through the fire at the bottom for no reason. <laughs> um, anyway, so of course, remember, our um, Unavengers are going to try to save the world from this gene bomb that the inverted X-Men and Apocalypse are going to set off to kill all the humans. Havoc wonders if they can just save Janet, you know, his wife, even though she betrayed him. And Cyclops is like, nope. So then we see uh, the Unavengers attacking. And that's where Sabretooth is. And at first he fights Colossus. And they're fighting the X-Men. Spider-Man and Deadpool are trying to uh, get rid of Apocalypse so they can turn off the gene bomb. I gotta say, I normally rant and rave about the way Remender writes Deadpool. This peaceful Deadpool, where he's being all like fortune cookie and 60s like psychedelic, man. Nope, not digging it at all. It's really annoying to read. Anyway, they fight Apocalypse. Of course, they can't beat him. And there's a really cool panel of Sabretooth uh, attacking Cyclops and Havoc. And he says, Logan was right about you, Cyclops. Seems no matter what's going on, always a Summers brother messing up the works for the rest of us. But then Storm uh, fries him with a lightning, which we know he'll recover, but it's still got to hurt. And then Apocalypse just beats the shit out of uh, Hippie Deadpool. Uh, just really just takes, takes him to town. Then Scarlet Witch is trying to get revenge on Doctor Doom, but Magneto and Quicksilver, have, of course, are intervening. And she casts a spell to attack everyone of her blood to try to neutralize her family. And we get a huge reveal here. Quicksilver collapses and nothing happens to Magneto. So we get a huge reveal that Magneto is not really their blood father. Which, I'm kind of on the, you know, <laughs> this big, like, shocking reveal, and I don't know how I feel about it. I don't really know. I'm really on the fence and neutral. Like, on the one hand, I don't really care. But on the other hand, like, the whole, like, brother brotherhood of evil mutants, like, is more compelling that, you know, the struggles they've had with Magneto if he's really their father. But I guess it still kind of works if he just lied about being their father. I don't know. But Magneto believed he was their father, and Scarlet Witch... Wanda even points that out and is like, ah, not even you're in charge of this. You were deceived. Just another person's pawn. So if we find out who that is, then this reveal can be a lot more interesting. As it stands, yeah, I'm kind of in wait and see. That's definitely kind of the big moment of the book. Uh, Of course, Doctor Doom escapes. The bad Avengers, uh, they gather up and say, hey, let's let the un-Avengers and the X-Men kill each other. Then we'll kill whoever's left and uh, we can have things our way. But Apocalypse, Deadpool tries to appeal to Evan. Of course, they had a relationship or a good friendship. Apocalypse is like, Evan was not a boy. He was not who you're supposed to be. He was just a vessel. Um, what does he say here? Evan was a dream, a cocoon masking what grew within. The true spirit of Ensabanur. This was always his destiny. And then he, uh, in a very brutal page, continues to beat the shit out of Deadpool. And then he tears off his head. It says, I am better, better than you, better than all humans. I am Apocalypse. And the end of man is nigh. And we see the gene bomb counting down. 
All right, so the art in this book, of course, I love Adam Kubert, and this is no exception. Beautiful art, great-looking book. The story's not bad. It's kind of picking back up a little bit. Deadpool was super annoying, and I'm still kind of over the whole inverted thing, but it, was, it wasn't bad. Story's going okay. I'm going to give Axis number seven um, three out of six claws. Just kind of see where, see where it goes. Hoping it really ends with a bang, but we'll see. Events usually don't. <laughs> But, you know, if anyone can, can, can fix it, it's Remender. So, we'll see. All right, cool. That's our Axis update with Sabretooth, who is, you know, kind of in there. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for episode 111 of the podcast. It goes snicked. Yeah, that's it. We saw where Mystique's going to go. We had some updates on some other comics. Hope you had fun. Hope you enjoy your holidays. However you may celebrate them, or even if you don't. Hope you enjoy that, too. Just enjoy life. So, anyway, please leave an iTunes review. You can find show notes on a snickcast.podbean.com. Like the Facebook page. Under no circumstances should you email snickcast at yahoo.com. Unless you want to be the first, and then do it. And <laughs> our Twitter, where most of the fun is had, is at snickcast. So, um, till next time... Hugs and snicks. Bye.